The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Greetings, everyone. I am the aforementioned uh, Tony Lightfoot, and this is the TWBC Podcast. So glad to have the pleasure of your company. And also... uh, Speaking of having someone with the pleasure of their company is uh, is a friend of mine who I've actually been wanting to do a podcast with for quite a while now, uh, considering uh, the brand that he represents and the concepts that uh, that fall underneath that wing. It is uh, none other than Adam Cord. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm doing doing pretty good. Although actually. I keep saying not too bad, and I've got to try and get get out of that greeting because it's like a typical English greeting under the premise is that, you know, things are bad, but they could be a heck of a lot worse. You know, I should say awesome, or great, fantastic, wonderful, that yeah. type of deal. You, you live in America now. Be optimistic. Come on. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll delve a little bit into the general uh, American-style optimism. But uh, you're probably wondering, listening in, who is Adam Cord? I mean, and, and, what, and why, why have I decided to, uh, to interview him? But, Adam, introduce yourself to the good people. Sure, sure. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Indiana, which has a, a pretty strong slalom skiing background. There's a lot of lakes there and a lot of really good skiers that come from Indiana. And I uh, didn't really get into skiing that much. I was a, I was a kid. I, I skied a little bit there and I competed a little bit, but it wasn't until I got to college and went to Purdue University, which mm-hmm. is also in Indiana. Yeah. That's, that's when I really got, got hooked on it, which is, I think, what does, happens to a lot of people. Uh-huh. College skiers. So I uh, I went there and I started skiing on the team there and I, I got linked up with some really good skiers. Like Kale Burdick went there as well. So we, mm-hmm. we were roommates together and uh, got got really hooked into water skiing there. So that's that's kind of how I got tied into it. And the likes of Jeff Surday as well, I guess. Jeff Surday, yeah, exactly. The man behind the U.S. Open and Nationals. So Yes, indeed. So... Out of Indiana, uh, most people, well, a good portion of them, go to Bur- Purdue for engineering degrees, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I went there as well. So, I, and, and I, you know, I went to college, uh, didn't even know they had a water ski team, and I think it was right before I went, someone said, hey, you should go out and, and you, know, you know how to water ski, you know how to run the course, you should go out and, and join the water ski team. And I said, uh, I'm not good enough. You know, I, don't, I'm not, I can run like 15 off. And they said, oh, you'll probably be the best one on the team. <laughs> and I was. <laughs> so it was great. And, and I found out that it was co-ed. So that, you know, that's kind of sealed the deal on that one. Yeah. Sign me up on the bottom. There but, we go. But, yeah, I went there for uh, engineering. I started in mechanical engineering, ended up switching over to industrial engineering, which is basically manufacturing engineering. And uh, that's, that's still what I do now. Excellent. So... 
Your history in the sport has been, well, I mean, it's been basically a product of National Collegiate Water Skiing, you know, and you're, and you're trying to you know, dovetail that into what you're doing with engineering. So so when did the, all, the, all the epiphany start with, like, saying, okay, I'm, I'm seeing the skis and seeing what I'm riding right now. We can do better than this, surely. Well, so that started immediately after college because... My first job out of college was working for O'Brien Watersports. Mm-hmm. So I got hired actually to work in marketing, believe it or not, for O'Brien. Okay. And I think it's just because that's the, the position they had open. Okay. Um, but they wanted someone who had an engineering background who also had a water skiing background. So I got hired to work for O'Brien. So I immediately moved out to uh, the Seattle area where they were in Redmond at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think maybe two weeks after I got the job, they flew me down to Orlando to go ski with Drew Ross and Glenn Campbell and a bunch of other, you know, the people who were on the pro team at the time. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is really cool. So um, that's what got me into it. And I ended up working there for maybe five years. And I want to say maybe the second or third year was when we brought Andy back in. Because Andy, Andy, you know, he'd been on O'Brien for his whole career. And, uh-huh. and then he left after he retired uh, to start help uh, Herb O'Brien with radar. Yes. And then he, I don't remember exactly why, but he ended up splitting up with radar and we rehired him. So he started working with us. So that's when it, that's when things started to really turn my engineering gears on. Because I was working with Andy Mapple, who at the time, you know, I think... I think while he was competing, he would kept a lot of his ideas close to the vest. You know, he just didn't want to... Literally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't want people to know what he was working on. But once he retired and uh, he started really get into the engineering ski design side of it more, he was a lot more open about his ideas, what he tried, what, he, what worked, what hadn't worked. And so he and I kind of became really good friends because we could kind of communicate on the same level as far as what what happens when you do this with ski or that. Let's change the flex. Let's try the, a different bevel. Let's try mm-hmm. this or that. And so I learned a ton from him. Uh, and uh, so anyway, we, we did the elite program together. And then uh, when he decided he wanted to start his own ski company, I actually left O'Brien and moved down to Orlando. And I lived in Orlando for a year to help him get get his ski brand off the ground so that's that's kind of what got me really going on it now before you actually came into the uh the am program the the maple skis program you'd actually you actually made some really really big inroads at o'brien so far as ski design was concerned because one of the skis that always seemed to be rather unusual is the ski with without any any taper or any rocker at the front and the oh, thing, yeah. the, thing what, the, the, the ski that Nicole Arthur used to ski on. Yes, yes. That, that thing. Uh, t- tell us a little bit behind the whole concept with that uh, because it's interesting to draw a comparison between that and what you're currently doing right now. Yeah, so that, that was the first iteration of that ideology and I have to admit looking back on it we it was really just a test and we didn't know exactly what we were doing but at the time we thought it made a lot of sense and 
uh, people who are in the snow skiing world will will also draw parallels that at the time that's when the kind of the really more shaped snow skis started coming out there were there were wider everywhere but wider in the tip and tail and so we said well let's let's kind of take a little bit of a page from the snow ski industry and and see if we can put that into a water ski and so that's when we started running running the the wider flatter tip on uh that ski was called the the quattro yeah and um it, the idea being you'd have a lot more tip support and most skis you know they taper off in the tip and they have a lot of rocker in the tip which makes it so you can't use that part of the ski it's either it's either uh if you put too much of that ski in the water the ski's going to grab and want to rotate really hard or if there's there's no there's no tunnel in there um you basically have no no tip support so you watch not to call it any brand but you watch some of the skis with more tip rocker that are really narrow on the tip people can't put the front half of those skis in the water. If they do, they go out the front. Hmm. And so that was kind of the first the first thought behind that was way back then, and that was when it was it was Drew Ross, Glenn Campbell, Andy Mapple, and me all just basically sitting in a room drinking beer, talking about ideas, and that's that was where that came from. That and must have been some pretty darn good beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, none of us could keep up with Glenn Campbell, but uh, we tried. Yeah, yeah, he, do, yeah, he does uh, does have a pint or two on occasion in, yeah. a, in a typical uh, British pub. I don't know whether you've been, o- been over in that part of the world, but there. Uh... No, no, but I've, I have spent a few too many times in a pub with uh, Glenn in America, and never went well for me <laughs> okay all right then moving along uh, uh, past uh, past all, past all of that you mean you you you've had history with o'brien you've had history with uh uh radar and uh, and am skis and now you know you fast forward uh, you're you're the man behind uh, denali skis now tell us a little bit about the the history about that incarnation how that how that occurred and uh, what concepts you wanted to bring into that that hold true today yeah so that that started uh, I met Adam Caldwell and I was living in I was living in Seattle and he also was living in Seattle and he was uh, he was doing some of the INT tournaments at the time out here and he was probably like a I think he could maybe run 35 off on a good day, which was about what I could do at the same time. Okay. And uh, if you're an INT, that means you're pro. I think if you mm. if you can run like if you can run 35 off or something like that, I think you're considered a pro in INT. And uh, because I was working with O'Brien, we sponsored INT, so I was sort of required to go to all the tournaments. But it was fun. I mean, I like going to them. Um, so I went to a lot of the INT tournaments, and that's where I met him. And he and I were always competing in the pro division together. So it was kind of a rivalry at the start. Um, and then we just kind of became buddies because he's also an engineer and mm. has the, the same kind of uh, mind as I do as far as let's, let's look at everything from a, from a physics perspe- perspective. And um, so he and I started talking about ski technique. It wasn't at all about ski design at the time. It was purely about ski technique. And, and back then there were a lot of – this would have been like 2000. 2009 that time frame back then there were a lot of different ideas floating around like west coast slalom was a big deal mm-hmm. and um you know I, there, there were a lot of people writing articles and making videos and stuff like that about how to ski and so he and i were out trying all this stuff and some of it worked some of it didn't work some of it was really good some of it was really bad and he and i both were out trying to trying to do all these new techniques and finding that a lot of it just didn't work for us and so 
we uh, we sort of got together one day. I remember there was one day we we went out skiing on Lake Sammamish. Um, I think we went free skiing on Lake Sammamish, and we we started just trying some really out of the box ideas with with how you should water ski. And we just came to the conclusion that we weren't going to read any more articles. We weren't going to talk to any more coaches. We were just going to try to figure out how to do it ourselves purely from a science and physics and geometry perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we, he and I got started. And we, we started coming up, just bouncing ideas off of each other. Like, what if you do this? What if you try that? You know, let's, let's think about it from a different, different perspective. Let's think about it from a overview of, of, okay, let's look down at a boat from the sky and watch how the skier would ski around the pylon and try to figure out what's the, what's the best way for that skier to move left and right. Wow. And uh, so that, that all started back then. So we started skiing together and bouncing ideas off of each other. And uh, he ended up moving to Trophy Lakes in Charleston. Oh, okay. And that probably would have been 2009 or 2010, right after that. And um, so he and I were still talking, and he was skiing a lot more then because he was he's living at Trophy Lakes. He lived in a Airstream camper out there. Mm. And... Uh, so right after that was when I moved to Orlando and started working with Andy with his ski company. And what happened is uh, Adam would come down. He, he worked at Cummins in Charleston. He would drive down every weekend and just hang out with us every weekend. So he'd, he'd get off work at like 5 p.m. on a Friday and he'd get in his truck and he'd drive six hours to Orlando and get there Friday night. And he'd hang wow. out with us all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then get in his car Sunday night and drive back home. He'd go back to work on Monday morning. He did it every weekend for a year. And it was just because he thought what we were doing was super cool, and he just wanted to be a part of it. He would literally come and just sweep the floor in our shop just, just so he could be there. you know. <laughs> so, so we started using him as a test dummy for all of our ski ideas because he makes a spectacular test dummy because <laughs> uh, he's not afraid to try anything, and as you guys have maybe seen in some of the skiing he's not afraid of yeah of anything so we uh we started doing that with him and he he really got into it and thought it was was really cool and and he said oh, i'm gonna start making some of my own skis I said okay so he actually built he actually built a mold out of concrete and a press out of wood and he was building skis outside next to his camper at trophy lakes what yes this yeah so he was he was building his own skis back then out of basically just like scrap materials he had found lying around, and uh, that's that's kind of how it first started. So um, that blows my mind because I because yeah. I have because I have visions and and I've and I've been to a couple of ski factories and how and they've got like the CAD machines they've got the computerized right. lathes and all right. that cutting molds out you know and right. then putting them in the press for a few minutes at certain degrees and. And then, then just file the edges down, and hey, presto, you got a ski, mm-hmm. Adam. <laughs> this was the opposite of that, hundred <laughs> percent. He he took a ski that he had like shaped to what he wanted with bondo and filing on it and sanding and things like that, and he basically casted a or I guess cast a um, a concrete mold off of it, and that was his mold. And he started building skis out of this thing, and. Uh, so what what ended up happening is um, I got married, needed a real job that actually paid, and so I 
I left Orlando and went to went to work, and he was still down there building skis, and he was just iterating, building skis, calling me, asking me questions, because I, having worked in O'Brien and then worked with Andy, I knew all the in and outs of, of ski manufacturing, so I was basically teaching him how to do it through this process, and he's out there in the outdoors building these skis, and so he did that for probably two years after I left. So we're talking now in, it's like 2013, somewhere in there, 2014 maybe. He calls me and he says, I want to start a water ski company. He said, these skis are really good. I want to, I want to sell these. And I said, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. What? And he goes, no, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. I said, listen, man, I've been through this. There's no money in it. It's a lot of work. It's going to make your hobby no fun anymore. And he goes, I don't care. I want to do this. And uh, so for about six months, we went back and forth with him trying to talk me into starting the ski company and uh, me trying to talk him out of it. And then I, one day he calls me and he says, uh, good news. I just formed an LLC for a company called Denali Skis and you're 50% owner. <laughs> that, that's just remarkable. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, oh by the way. Super. Super. <laughs> That sounds like fun. So um, I said, all right, well, then we're, we got to do this right. And uh, so I, I, when I was at O'Brien, I learned how to do CAD so I could actually design the skis. So I did all, I did all the ski design at O'Brien and then for Andy. And I also learned um, the CNC programming so I could run the CNC machines. Okay, and the CNC is like the electronic lathe and that exactly. Type of, yeah. It's the machine you actually use to cut the molds and cut the cores and things like that. So, so we basically said, all right, well, if, if you're going to do this, we have to do it the right way. Uh, we need a CNC machine. Yeah, and so and, I, and they're not cheap. And they're not cheap, exactly. So he goes, all right, well, what do they cost? And I was like, oh, you know, they started like twenty thousand dollars for the cheapest ones, and it goes up from there. And he's like, I don't have any money. Said, okay, so he starts looking online, and he started, he finds a kit for like $3,000 and maybe even less. I think it was like $1,200 or something. It's a kit that you can buy and build your own little CNC machine. Wow. So he builds one, he buys this kit and he modifies it because it was maybe like like two feet by two feet. It was like So not exactly footage. made for a 60, yes. 65 inch slant so, ski. So he buys it and then modifies it so it's two feet wide but it's six feet long. So it's, it's just long enough yeah. That you could cut a mold or cut a core or something like that. So he builds this little CNC machine and he puts it in his garage and he's like, all right, now what? So, so that's, that's how it started. And so I did all the programming for it and we got it running and we started actually cutting real molds and cutting real cores and building skis. And he, he built a press that was actually like a real press and, mm -hmm. uh, had one and started started laying up skis because that's a because that's an expensive undertaking as well just getting the aluminum press you know because i mean you have to have a block of aluminum you've got to shape that shape mm -hmm. shape the uh, the underside shape the top mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and then press it for a certain amount of time it's at a certain temperature you know? right right and and you know just the slightest imperfection on one of those things oh, and, yeah. and and you and you and you have a batch of skis that don't work right and you can't sell them yeah exactly so the uh the, the other thing that we had come up with and i had actually come up with this when i was working with andy was a way to to cut wood molds uh, really quickly and cheaply so that we could test stuff so uh -huh. instead of instead of using a big block of aluminum every time you want to cut a mold you could use wood 
and you can actually make a, a decent ski. I, maybe not a good enough ski that you would sell to somebody, but good yeah. enough that you could test an idea and go try it. So um, we started cutting these wood molds every time we had an idea. So let's try this, let's try this, let's try something else. And um, pretty soon what we had found is that as we iterated, we, we, we would have an idea. I would go put it in CAD. Uh, I would do the programming and send it to him, and he would cut a mold and build a ski out of it. And we could do that in three days, probably, wow. the whole process. If you had an idea to actually a ski you could ski on, we could do it in three days. And so, I mean, at the time, every three days, we were, we were basically coming out with a new ski shape and trying it. And what we found is that as we did this, we were iterating, iterating, iterating. The look of our skis, if they started out looking like every other ski, a year into this process, our skis look nothing like anything else. And mm. it was just because we had iterated so much that we had iterated into this ski that looked co- totally different. But it worked. You know, it was what it was doing what we wanted. That's and that was the whole idea. We just wanted to keep going and make it better, make it better, make it better. And what happened is we ended up like today, you look at our skis and they don't look like anybody else's skis. Absolutely. So but it was purely just let's not look at what everyone else is doing. Let's just do what we think makes sense and just keep trying stuff and trying stuff. And I'm not saying it wasn't, it wasn't like a linear improvement where every single one was better than the last one. A lot of them were really terrible. Some get better, some get worse, but it's, it, you're always, you're always trying things and slowly the, the ball moves forward and the ball moves forward and the ball moves forward and, and it gets better. So the latest Denali is the C85. Is that reflective of that? The, the iteration, the, the number and that? Yeah. So that, that's version, it's version 8.5 is what that is. Okay. Um, so basically what it is when we, you know, the very first one was 1.0 obviously, and we would, we would iterate something. Uh, if we make a small change, it would be 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6. And then if we made it a big change, uh, we would jump to the next number. So we'd go 2, 2.1, It's a bit 2. like 3, software. 2. Yeah, that's, that was the idea. You know, that's the only way we could keep track of it. So, um, yeah, this one, this one is actually 8.5. And uh, we, we added it up one time. I think I think we're somewhere in the 60s as far as how many molds we've cut. Wow, like 65 or something like that is how many molds we've cut so far, and so how many different shapes we've we've tried. All right, then. So we're at the stage now. You're at uh, Denali Skis. You're producing. You're producing skis. I mean, I mean, you, you don't you don't produce an awful lot of skis, do you? Not not compared to the likes of every other ski company out there i mean you mean you take an order online and you basically produce uh pretty pretty much based upon those orders aren't you pretty much yeah we we try to stay ahead of it as much as we can but um adam still builds all the skis himself we we do have uh another another person who works for him now uh named meg dealey but she's uh she's fairly new and still, he, he lays up every single ski himself. So every time a ski goes into a mold, uh, he's the one doing all the layup process and, and putting it in the mold. And uh, so as you can imagine, that, that limits our ability to build skis. But I, I got I to gotta be honest, I kind of prefer it that way because yeah. we, we talk to every customer and we work with every customer on fin settings. And, and half the time we end up just, if they send video, we end up coaching them because we say, yeah, the ski's fine. You, you got to work on you. Yeah, um, but you, you can only you can only do so much of that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if we sold a thousand skis, we wouldn't be able to do it. No. So, um, 
yeah, it's 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 on one hand you go, yeah, I'd like to grow and grow the business. On the other hand, you go, eh, it's it, it's going to change if we have to do that, unfortunately. So, but right now it's great. You know, we, we have a, a manageable number of skis that we sell. We get to work with all the all the people who buy them, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun this year, especially with this ski because the C85, just because it's been super easy to just put people on it and have them go out and rip, and it doesn't take a whole lot of tweaking, if any. And I mean, explain the sizing a little bit because I mean, the the length of the ski doesn't change so much. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, but the width does. Yeah, and that's an idea that even even Andy and I used to kick that idea around back ten plus years ago. We always talked about doing that because there was a ski that he developed called the Synchro. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, ski. I remember that. But that was it, it. It wasn't exactly like that, but it was a really short, wide ski. They made a 63-inch one that was really wide, and people ripped on that thing. People were running 39 on that thing, and um, so he always kind of thought that made more sense to have a shorter, wider ski. But um, so it's also an idea that Adam and I had had talked about for a long time. And a couple of years ago, we started really looking at whether that makes sense or not, and started trying to do as much research as we could about not to get too much in the weeds here, but about planing hauls and the science behind a planing haul, which is what a, a water ski is, a planing haul. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of really good data out there that was done around World War II about planing hauls and how they work and, and where, how the lift is generated. And what, what you find is, in general, take a, take a, a planing haul, so think of a boat. Yeah. And if you want to carry more weight in a boat... Do you make it longer? Or do you make it wider? Exactly, exactly. And the answer is, you make it wider. Yeah. Making it longer does nothing to increase the carrying capacity of a boat. Yeah, because I mean, and, and I mean, just as you explain it, I mean, I'm coming up and like thinking, okay, this this is a, a, a genuine concept here because, I mean, the I mean, the size between a battleship and a frigate isn't isn't its length, right? It's its width. It's its width. Yeah. You know, totally. Totally. And I mean, the science is plain as day when you, when you go look at it, because when, when you're on plane, the lifting area of the, the body, the boat or the ski or whatever you're looking at is very short in the lengthwise, but it spreads all the way across the width of it. So you just make it wider and you've increased the carrying capacity. Making it longer does literally nothing. Mm-hmm. So we said just because we can, we can and we you know we've got the ability to cut molds fast and cheap we said all right let's just try it so we just started cutting cutting these molds of varying widths and trying it and finding people who are 200 210 220 230 pounds and putting them on these these short skis so take it try it see what happens I mean, do they do they get a little bit scared before they head out into the water? Oh, because I mean, because I mean, yeah. like like I, I weigh close to two thirty. Okay, yeah. it doesn't look it, but yes, I do weigh two thirty. If if I look down and I've got a and I've got a 60, 65 inch Slansky on my foot, right? I, 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 looks I, wrong. I, I, something's wrong here. Right. What, what's going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what we found is we we put these big guys on these skis. And they, they go to the buoy, and the thing just turns on a dime. And they've never felt that before because they're used to riding the 69, 70-inch skis that, that you know, turn like a Cadillac. So they, they get on this, and it's as fast as anything they've ridden, but it rotates way faster. So um, we just kind of said, let's, let's just try this and, and go for it and see what happens. And uh, it's, it's, this is, we're now in our third year of doing this, and it's been great. And that goes alongside the uh, the logo, the slogan that you have: "No hype, just science." That's it. Who came up with that? I don't remember. It's 
probably Caldwell. He has all the creative ideas. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. The other the other side benefit of it that we didn't really think of at the time is that uh, boot position and fin settings are the same for all of our sizes. Wow. Whereas most ski companies, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out each one. They're exactly the same for every size. We don't even have to think about it. So it's it's really nice. Someone someone sends video and says, "Hey, what do you think? I should move the hand fin here." I don't even have to ask what size it is. It doesn't matter. They're all the same as far as boot position and fin settings. So it just makes everything a lot easier. All right yeah. then, the future Denali going forward. What do you see in five years' time? Well, if uh, as long as we can keep Caldwell healthy, um, <laughs> which is a, big, a challenge, which is a big take, if. taking recent events it, into consideration. It's a big if. Yeah. So you know, we've 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 we have refused uh, funding on multiple occasions for this company because we've had quite a few people come and say, hey, you know, I'd like to invest in you guys and help you grow and that sort of thing. And we've, we have every time turned it down because we want to grow organically, first yeah. of all, and we want to maintain control of the company. Of course. So we've had a few opportunities to really okay. Let's let's someone let's say someone hands us a, a blank check, um, and we can go out and hire hire more people, expand the size of the shop, blow out the marketing, and do a lot more marketing, and try to grow that way. And we've decided not to go that route because we we would rather grow slowly and grow organically. And we're learning as we go. Like that's that was the whole point in 2009 when we first started having this conversation was we just thought this was a really fun sport and uh, really interesting to learn about technique ski design all of it i mean it's 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 like peeling an onion you know the more the more you get into it the more interesting it is there's just so many layers to it and so for us we just want to keep learning i mean you can ask anyone you know we're sitting at hilltop lake here you can ask anyone out here this is the lake that i i ski at um I'm trying something every time I ski. Every wow. every time I ski, I'm trying something new. I'm trying either a different fin setting. Yeah, or I saw ski. that when you came in. You was having discussions every time, and and it's not. I I love it. It's just that's it's so much fun to do that, and that's what I get in. That's what I like about it. If I went out and just skied on the same setup every single time, I I'd probably quit in a month. Like I'd just get bored. But I I have a blast out here just trying new fin shapes, new ski shapes, trying some crazy new technique idea, whatever. So to answer your question, like for us, it's, it's, we want to keep learning and if the company grows as we do it and, um, then great, you know, that's, that's great. We're, we're going to just keep doing what we're doing and, and just keep trying to make better skis and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep getting better at it. All right, then. You have been listening to Adam Corden. Absolutely thrilling conversation. I mean, I was only earmarking about 20 minutes uh, for, for this podcast. We've gone way past half an hour with, 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 the, top, with the content there. Any, any parting words for our good folks out there? No, not really. Just uh, I'll, I'll say this. If you're, um, you know, if, if you're out skiing and you're, you're, trying, you're, you're thinking about trying new things, do it. It's it's totally rewarding, and um, there's a reason why your fin is adjustable. Excellent stuff. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a great that's a great one liner. You've been listening to Adam Cord. I'm Tony Lightfoot. This is the TWBC podcast. And until the next time, I will say ciao. I'll say ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. 
Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcasts.